0: Hey, good morning. good morning. Y'all take a seat. Welcome to Grace Church. I'm excited. It's Palm Sunday, so I want to bring you back to the year 2000, okay? I know some of y'all weren't even born then. You're like, really? Are you that old, man? Like, I get it. I get it. But it's year 2000 is my senior year, 2000, 2001. And uh, I'm hanging out with some of my friends. We're getting ready for spring break. I just want you to hear this, because this is important. I was a believer at this time, okay? Like, came to Christ at age 15, loved Jesus, sharing my faith often, like in the scriptures, read them every day, prayed regularly, was attending my church, serving, engaged, fired up about Jesus. It's my senior year, okay? We're headed to Ybor City in Tampa, okay? Okay? So I'm bringing that note in to say that we are all in process, okay? Like God's still working in every one of us, and God was working in my life then. So anyways, my best friend Oscar, his brother lived in Tampa, and he was like, hey, I'm going to take you all out for a good time. I love to party. I love to dance. I loved all of it. I didn't drink anymore. So I wasn't a part so much of that crowd anymore now that I'm following Jesus, but I still had A lot of rough edges as a believer. So, anyways, we head to Ebor. I didn't know what to expect, but he's got a super nice car. Now, now, now keep in mind, I'm I'm planning on going into ministry, but his brother was super appealing. In this way, he had money. he, He had he had all the things that you would imagine. Nice car bachelor pad. TV and speakers mattered to me a lot when I was in high school. You know, that that, that whole scene, we go to his place. He's got like all these candles. His windows are open. I'm like, dude, this is a baller life. You know, like I want to be you and I love Jesus. So I got to figure this out. So anyways, uh, we're hanging out, we get in his, you know, black leather uh, Audi, Audi, however you want to pronounce it, and we hop in, he's shifting gears, we're headed to Ebor, and I'm like, man, this is going to be an amazing night. We get there, thousands of people, if you don't know Ebor City, half a mile to a mile strip, not sure, and uh, it's bars, restaurants, and dance clubs, straight shot, nothing but it. So we get there, we're riding in this car, it's 2000, right, 2001, so we're listening to Bone Thugs and Harmony, 50 Cent, you know what I mean, like, y'all, y'all feel me, you know, you're there, you get it, okay? So anyways, we're riding in, Outkast, you know, I'm from Georgia, so I had a little bit of Outkast going, you know, anyway, so we get there, we hop out of the car, we're dressed to the nines, we think we're something, even though we're not, and so we get there, we start walking around, we're, we're going to dance club, to dance club, to bar, to bar, to bar, Okay. And again, I didn't drink at this point because I was a follower of Jesus, but I wasn't there for the right reasons either. And so anyways, we're going and we're having a good time. We get about halfway through the strip and I am having a baller time, laughing it up with my buddy and his brother and a couple of our friends. And I'm walking and there's a crowd of people. Okay. And I look to my left and I see a crowd around this certain place over on the sidewalk. And I kind of peek through because I'm curious and I look down and it's a guy laid out on the floor, OD'd, dead. Never seen anybody dead like that before. On the street, they already tried to revive him. There was a paramedic there just laying, not breathing. And I remember in that moment going from like, woo, to, oh my gosh, what are we doing here? Like, what am I doing here? And I didn't go into shame game and, and all this condemnation on me. I was just like, what am I doing? And it brought all this perspective. It's crazy because it's, it's Palm Sunday. Watch this. Jesus comes in in this triumphal entry. Five days later, he's crucified. Just five days. That's the picture. Like I felt like, what am I doing here? And I know the disciples, they felt like, what happened? Our Messiah just died, right? And so we're going to dive in today in the book of Matthew. It's crazy. He, he, all this is happening. They're bewildered. Today we're going to see Matthew's asking a question, and really all of the Gospels ask this question, and, and it, here's, here's what we're getting into today. Here's the big idea. Who do you believe Jesus is, and is it possible that he's more? Who do you believe Jesus is, whether you're a believer or not? And is it possible that he's more than you could ever think or imagine? So that's where we're headed. We're going to be in two passages in Matthew, but I want to set the stage. You've already seen it a little bit as I was in Ebor, but I want to set it even more. In 1996, I went to the Olympics in Atlanta with my dad. There was 2 million people that came to the events. When we got there, cars everywhere, there's a lot going on, there was a line everywhere we went. Finally got into the baseball game, fantastic experience, but just tons of people, tons of sales, tons of stuff, you know, you get popcorn, jerky, drinks, of peanuts, whatever it was, you're picking it up on your way, there's a lot going on. That's the picture here. It's Palm Sunday. Jesus literally goes from Jericho, I'm bringing you a little context so you can picture it, goes from the bottom of a, of a town called Jericho, climbs, literally hikes with other people, followers, 14 and a half to 15 miles up. It's about an eight to nine hour travel. They get up to the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is this, the highest point. It's like the peak, top mountain. It oversees a city called Jerusalem, the holy city, where millions of people travel in on the week of Passover. So there's people everywhere. Jesus gets up to the Mount of Olives, and that brings us to our text today. And so I'm going to read it. This is in Matthew chapter 21, verses 6 and following. Remember, who do you believe Jesus is, and is it possible that he's more? The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. So they got the Mount of Olives, which is overseeing Jerusalem. They're going into Jerusalem for his triumphal entry. But before that, Jesus goes, hey, disciples, will you go get me a donkey? Will you go get certain things so that we can enter into this place? So they go and do that. And that's where we pick up. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd. Remember, millions of people. It was exploding during the week of Passover. Tons of people everywhere spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. I mean, this is like Hollywood red carpet. Here comes the guy. Okay, that's the picture. The crowds that went ahead of him, speaking of Jesus, and those that followed shouted, they really screamed. It was like a yell chant. I mean, it was loud. I think of like when I went and did savage races, you know, 50 to 60 guys get in a huddle and they start yelling and moving together and it gets real loud. That's the picture. It's super loud. They're yelling, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Hosanna means save now. It's a picture Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people screaming Hosanna, screaming, hey, the king has come, the messianic political guy who we think is gonna save us, who's gonna conquer all that's bad in our world, not in a spiritual sense, but in a very real political king type of way. Let me give you a little more backdrop. There's other followers That just saw, according to the book of John, that Jesus just raised Lazarus from the dead. So they've got all these people and they're going, oh my gosh, this is the guy. I don't even know what to think about him, but who is he? He just raised a guy from the dead and now he's going to reign. He's going to rule. He's going to be our king. So many people had different opinions about who is Jesus. The religious leaders saw all of his power and his authority and all of this following and they're going, man, we got to shut this down this guy's going to be in control. And so there's this whole backdrop of so many different understandings and viewpoints and opinions of who Jesus is. Well, what does Matthew say? When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the holy city, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Who is this? Who's this guy? We heard he raised somebody from the dead. We've heard he's done miracles. We heard he's going to be our political king. Who, who is this guy? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth and Galilee. Interesting. They're calling him a prophet. There's another passage I want to bring out now. Same book. It's Matthew chapter 16. The same question is asked. So let's, do, let's jump in. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 18. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is, the son of man being me? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. You see the picture he's bringing? He's asking the question, who do people say that I am? And, and, and he's, they're offering, oh, well, some say this, some say this. It's the same picture in the triumphal entry. I'm just putting them, the two together. Who do people say they am? Some, John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. There's that word again. So John the Baptist, they're thinking he's this forerunner, this, this, this prophet, right? Elijah, this miracle worker, this one who returned from the dead. Jeremiah, somebody who started a movement that changed the world. Another prophet. Who do modern people say? I just want to put it on you. When, you. when you talk to people, or maybe what do you believe in your heart? Maybe you haven't voiced it. Who's Jesus to you? Like if you could sum up Jesus in one sentence or one word or a phrase, who's Jesus? Is he a revolutionary? Is he a teacher? Is he wise? Who is Jesus? Is he Is he likable? It's an interesting thought. Is Jesus likable? Is he relatable? Is he sacrificial? Is he an influencer? I mean, I mean, when, when you think about Jesus, like what what words is he a bridge builder? Is he patient and kind? A forgiver? Is he genuine? Is he authentic? Is he honest? Does he tell the truth? Who's Jesus? Think about it. Is he a problem solver? Is he a diffuser? Is he a genie? Who's Jesus? Verse 15. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus is more than what they believe in verse 14. Jesus is more than John the Baptist and Elijah and Jeremiah. You see what Matthew's doing? He's he's portraying this picture where they're saying, yeah, some people say you're this. Some people say you're this. Some people say you're this. And he's saying he's so much more Peter. You nailed it, even though you have no idea what you're talking about. So many people think that when they they hear Peter say that, they go, well, he got it. He's got it all figured out. No, he doesn't. Just a few chapters later, he's like, get behind me, Satan. Speaking of Peter, what happens when Jesus dies? Peter literally denies him three times. He doesn't get it. He's got pieces of it, right? Who do you say that I am? You know what I love about that? I love about the fact that Peter makes a right claim. His belief is true. He's not wrong. It's just not complete in his heart and in his mind. And How many for us that is true? Like we have this picture of who Jesus is and we're right in that picture, but Jesus is so much more in our lives. That's the picture here. And I love that. We're right in our beliefs about Jesus, but he's so much more. They're not wrong. They're just incomplete. I mean, can you imagine if he's an eternal God that transcends all culture, all time, all ages, everything in life? Just imagine who he is. I mean, I, I love like DC, Marvel movies. Just watch the new Zack Snyder. I'm not going to get into all of that, but new, new movie. And here's the thing that I see when I watch those movies. I look at people or things, whatever you want to call them, like Thanos and different characters, and I go, man, they are powerful. Like, they have so much. Superman has so much. And you know what it's a picture of? It's a picture of a creator God who blows our minds. It's a picture where we can't grasp it. We don't understand it. It's beyond our time. I mean, I mean all those pictures are here. He's saying, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and doesn't even realize what he's saying necessarily. It's so much more than he can comprehend. And it's good that we admit that and know that, but I want you to hear this. Jesus is more than the label that you have put on him. Think of it that way. Jesus is more than the label you have put on him. Labeling boils down to reductionism. It minimizes and marginalizes people. And we do it all the time. And just think about how terrible it is. Like, what if you took your last five social media posts, okay, and somebody just said, well, that's who they are, and minimized you and reduced you and marginalized you to your last five posts. Wouldn't you hate that? Some of you are like, man, I need to start, like, going through my posts. Like, Wow. But, but we do that, and we, we do that to Jesus. We throw a label on him, and we do this with other people. We do this in relationships. But here's the thing. The solution to labeling is curiosity, because what happens when you label? You kill curiosity, and actually, it's the death of the relationship. That's why when I go out on a date with my wife, she's like, hey, like, ask me questions. I want you to pursue me. I want you to get to know me more. I know you've known me for X amount of years, but there's so much more to me than just what it is. She's also in Enneagram 4, so it just does not stop, right? (laughs) If you don't know your Enneagrams, you need to look it up. But anyways, so curiosity is the cure to labels. Now, some of you in this room, I'm going to sidebar for just a second. Some of you in this room, you're not curious. And one of the reasons that you're not curious is because the Bible Offend you. When you read the Bible, you're like, I'm offended. I reject it. Maybe you don't say it out loud to your friends, but in your heart, you're going like, I get it. He's God. But like, that's offensive what I just read. That's offensive what I just heard on the stage. That's offensive in my life. So I want to quote Tim Keller, talking about curiosity. He says, to stay away from Christianity because part of the Bible's teaching is offensive to you, assumes that if there is a God, he wouldn't have any views that upset you. Does that belief make sense? You catching that? To stay away from Christianity because part of the Bible's teaching is offensive to you, assumes that if there's a God, he wouldn't have any views that upset you. Does that belief make sense? second type of person. You go, I'm not curious because Jesus flat out is irrelevant. He's not here presently. I can't see him. I don't know what he's doing. There's an antiquated Bible that I'm reading. It doesn't make any sense. Jesus is irrelevant. Like I would never say that again to anyone, but in my heart, I'm going, it doesn't matter. He doesn't do anything, right? I'm going to quote Keller again. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, which is what we're going to be talking about next week, if he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about it? any of what he said. The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, agree with his teaching, think it's irrelevant or relevant. It doesn't matter, right? But whether or not he rose from the dead. So if he rose from the dead, if Jesus is real, if he's still alive, then guess what? What you think about him does not matter in that way. So Jesus is irrelevant. I'm not going to be curious. If he rose from the dead, he's absolutely relevant in your life. And you need to consider that as as we're embracing and coming up on Easter next week, Resurrection Sunday, it matters all a lot. It matters a lot in your life. So let's keep going. Verse 17, Jesus replied, now this is to Peter. Remember he said, you're the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by Father in heaven. And and again, that plays on the whole idea that he doesn't even fully grasp what he's saying. It's not just from flesh and blood. Literally, it was revealed to him by the Father. He spoke it. You See the picture there? And so my, my question to you is, are you curious about Jesus? Are you curious about Jesus? Who do you believe Jesus is and is he so much more? Is he so much more? This is, this is cool. Think about this. All of the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what are they doing? They're painting a picture of who Jesus is. They're giving different vantage points of what happened while he lived on earth. You know what's happening? They're literally saying, hey, there's this guy, his name's Jesus. I want to write about his story. I want you to see and to know and to feel who Jesus is. And we're going to give you four different vantage points. And you know what? There is so much more to this guy, Jesus. John says that he did so many miracles, he couldn't write enough books about him. Like there's so much in there constantly asking the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Are you curious about Jesus? Are you recognizing there's so much more than you could ever fathom about him? Are you labeling him and reducing him down to one thing in your life? So whether you're a believer or not, who's Jesus? And is he more than you think? And I'm going to tell you another reason why this matters who Jesus is in your life, what you believe about him, it radically shapes your Tuesday. It radically shapes your job. It radically shapes your relationship with your girlfriend and your marriage. It it radically shapes your entire life. And so here's what I'm asking. As we approach Easter and Resurrection Sunday, would you become curious about who Jesus is? And would you recognize that he's so much more? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I just pray, God, that, that you would use these, these verses and this scripture, God, to shape us, that we would become curious about you, that we would begin to think and realize that we don't have all the answers, that even the answers that we do have, we don't fully understand them or believe them all the time. And so God, would you radically change us as we become curious about you? Would you change us this week? And God, I just pray Ephesians over, over this body right now that you would do immeasurably more than we could ask or think as we see Jesus and are changed by him. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.